0: It is Monday February 22nd 2021. I'm coming to you live from a place that's torn from a mind that's tired. I want to talk about a day that I just can't forget. No matter how hard I try. It took place on September 21st, 2006. At around 9 p.m., I was 21 years old. In this episode, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain the traumatic event that took place that stained my life with memories of despair and anguish and pain and sorrow a tribulation that i could not overcome on my own that i had to seek, search deep within myself Search for the strength to overcome. I hope you get something out of this. So, check it out. I'll come back to you soon. Morning, good morning. (laughs) All right, so, uh, here I am, drinking coffee. It's early, 6.23 a.m. Um, yeah, so I just feel like I got to vent, I got to talk about one of the main reasons why I am the way I am today. Uh, It can be taken as a battle that I overcame or a battle that I'm continuing to fight. Now, when an individual goes through a traumatic experience, and I don't mean, you know, losing your wallet. I don't mean, you know. Um, I gotta say, yeah, a dog passing, which I mean, that may be traumatic for certain people, you know, or a, a loved one that passed away, that may be traumatic as well. Someone that you really trusted and gave your all to, they passed over. I wouldn't say passed away; they passed over. Traumatic experience burning being in a in a fire and then surviving i'm on that level i'm talking you got your legs chopped off in you know uh i don't know in war you know they they blew off you stepped on a mine or you know something something that affected you not necessarily from an outside source you know i mean like you physically and emotionally were are scarred for life. Let's say you were in a motorcycle accident and now you have brain damage or you are paralyzed from the neck down, something to, of that nature. I've lost loved ones. I'm sure many of us have lost loved ones or have been through something whether it may be a breakup or you know something something to that degree, but I'm talking about like you know a a a uh, an event that you are no longer the same person again physically and mentally than you were before this incident so now. I'm not gonna try to talk like I am very intelligent or smart or anything like that, all right, because I'm not, right? I'm just not. I I I know I'm very logical, I'm a real I'm a realistic person. But when it comes down to definitions and words and you know, I'm not gonna play the game because I don't I'm not good at it, I guess, right? But what I am good at is logic. I really don't believe in the Zodiac signs, but I do know that there is some truth in that. So, with that being said, I am a Gemini. People say, oh, Geminis are the signs, you know, you're you're, you're you're two in one, right? You, you could be positive and negative at the same time or blah, blah, blah. Okay, whatever. Anyway. That's enough of the instruct- introduction. Sorry. It's just a little early. So I'm trying to like get my my uh, bearings. Right. I'm trying to oil up my gears here, my mental gears, because I just woke up an hour ago or an hour and a half ago, I'd say. So September 21st, 2006. That day. I'm working at a pizzeria I had two jobs. Right. One was at a supermarket and the other one was at the pizzeria. They were side by side in this plaza. So, the supermarket, I worked in a deli apartment, right? So, I, you know, cut cold cuts and all that good stuff. Pretty cool. I'm 21 years old at this point in my life. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I had my mind set on going into the Army. I just got out of the Navy. Um, I got out of the Navy on a negative note. It wasn't a positive note. I got OTH. That's an other than honorable discharge. But it, my on my, um, on my DD-214, I got an RE-4, which means that I was able to join the service again, but not the Navy or the Marines. I could join the Army, um, the Air Force, and the Coast Guard. So my plan was to join the Army. My plan was to go back in there and fix what I messed up. I, I, that's a whole nother story, the military thing, but at this point, I just want to elaborate on my situation, right? So I was living with my father, my father lived in a basement apartment, and I'm staying with him temporarily, I'm trying to, at this time, just focus on being a civilian, because I just got out of the military. So it's a whole different ball game when you are a civilian. There are service members who may listen to this. Um, there are veterans that may listen to this, and you know that there's a difference when you're a civilian and when you're military personnel. So at this point, I'm a civilian. I'm got, I got it. You know, I've only been in for um, since I was 18, so I'm trying to like get my, you know, my flow back and trying to, you know, get the normal working thing down. But I was very responsible i was a very responsible committed individual i was disciplined i knew what i had to do and when i had to do it so i was a good employee at supermarket it's not rocket science to cut cold cuts right but it was a job it was a job for me and next door was the pizzeria the pizzeria these guys were like straight off the boat like the guy who lived it uh the guy who ran that place he was uh Italian to the T. I mean, this guy lived in Italy for like 40 years. And, you know, he's like 55 and he's like kicking ass behind a pizza counter. This guy was the man. I, I don't remember his name, but I remember his son's name. His son's name was Leo. So I go in there. I'm working. I I, I made. I had a good friend that worked there. Uh, his name was Ryan. So I'm there. I'm working. Ryan's working. You know, I was a bus boy. I wasn't making pizzas. I was like cleaning up in the back in the kitchen. I was busing. I was doing good. I was making good money. Um, you know, like I said, I had two jobs and it was working out pretty well for me. And me and my friend Ryan, you know, we were really cool. I mean, me and him hit it off the bat. Uh, we, we, we liked the same music. We were just down for each other right off the bat. And he was a little younger than me. I think he was around 18 years old. And at this point I'm 21. So, you know, I'm smoking cigarettes, whatever, you know, He's living in his house with his parents, and I'm like, you know, we were chilling. We were we were like that. We were we were cool. I was a little older than him, but we were we would we were tight. So he was going to college at the time, and he he this is when cell phones weren't really that um out there, you know what I'm saying? Like not everybody had a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So he calls the pizzeria, and I'm getting off of work. And he's like, yo, listen, we're throwing a party in my dorm room. Like, I want you to come through. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like, that's what's up. So he says, why don't you go back to your place, shower, whatever, and I'll come through and pick you up. And I didn't have a car either, so I would walk to the basement apartment that my dad lived in. And it was on a major highway. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's Wisconsin Highway in Long Island, New York, 347. There, it's 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 a it's a strong. Uh, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a. It's not like a highway. It's like an avenue with six lanes. So you got three lanes on one and three lanes on the other. So it's like seriously like there's a lot of traffic through here, and people drive fast. Whatever it is, you know how you know how it is. For for those who are out here in Long Island, you already know. If you're not, this concert highway, you could book it. You could take it easy. Whatever it is. There's a lot of a lot of people that say in this concert highway, like I said, it's not an interstate. It's just like a big avenue, but it, it's long and it's it's a strong uh, road. So he calls me and he's like, yo, co- go to your place. I'm going to pick you up. We're going to kick it. Blah, blah, blah. So I said, all right, cool. I'm going to I'm going to go home, shave my head, do what I got to do. So here I am. I have my Sony CD player. I'll never forget. It was a white one with the strap and. I'll never get tired of saying this story. Some people, I'm sure, don't want to hear it. They're over it, but I'm not. So that's why I'm talking about it. So I have my headphones in. I leave the pizzeria, say goodbye to everybody. I'm walking. I was listening to 3-6 Mafia, the most known unknown. I'll never forget it, never forget it. And I'm walking, I'm walking. And then I get to the corner and it's like intersection. It's an intersection. So, I'll, I'll, so I'm standing at the corner. Across the street from me, there was a restaurant. It was called Boulder Creek. That was the name of the I believe it was Boulder Creek, something like that. It was like it was some steakhouse. To the left of me was a gas station, and then uh, next to, across the street from the steakhouse, was a Seven Eleven, a tile place, granite countertops, blah blah blah. You know, a little, a little storefront. And I'm here, it's dark, it's 9 p.m., standing at the corner, light turns red, I see the white little walk eye on on the, uh, the pole that signifies you can walk, it says walk, so I start walking. Boom. I wake up on my back, stuck to a bed. I'm looking at the hospital uh, ceiling, uh, drop down ceilings, the t- tiles, and I have these tubes in my throat, like these thing in my throat, and I start coughing, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" So I start freaking out, and I and I start like throwing up, and I see my dad look over me, and I can't move. Yeah, I'm stuck. I'm literally stuck, and the nurse comes in, and I'm and I start to like, like I can't breathe. And she moves my dad out of the way, and she starts pulling this vomit out of the tube that's down my throat, and she's ripping it out of my throat, pulling it out, and vacuuming all this shit out of my mouth. And I'm and I'm there, and I'm I'm trying to, like, I, I can't believe like it was waking up, you know, in the Matrix. It was like one of those things where like I was like completely, I just couldn't believe where I like what was going on right there. And then my father starts you know talking to me, and I don't remember what he was saying, but. I do remember me saying paper really lightly because I could barely talk and he brought over a piece of paper and he gives me a pen and with my left hand, because my right hand was in a cast, I write C-A-R and he's like, yes, you got hit by a car and that's what happened. I got hit by a car. And I was in a coma for two weeks. So what happened was when I when I got hit, the details of me getting hit, the man came flying. So he was behind me, like, trying to make a right turn while I was crossing. So he, he comes up to the road while I'm in the middle of the, you know, of the highway or the avenue or the street, whatever you want to call it. And he hit me from my left leg. So he hit me on the corner and... I flew. Like he hit me at sixty, I think it was sixty miles an hour or something like that. And I flew sixty-five feet. So it was like one of those, like he slammed on his brakes when he saw me. I think he wanted to beat a light, a right turn to make that right turn. And he slammed on his brakes and bow, he hit me. And when I went flying, I landed across six lanes. You know what I'm saying? So it was like or maybe four lanes. And it was a guardrail in between these lanes, you know, opposites. So I flew in the parking lot. They ended up having a helicopter go pick me up, land in the middle of the, of the highway. Uh, supposedly they said that I was awake. They said that I was trying to fight the doctor, uh, the the EMTs off of me. They had to induce me into a coma because I would have went into cardiac arrest and I could have died like on the spot. So they had to put me out right there. When they put me out, they left me out. They couldn't bring me back, so they kept me in a the coma. They induced me. So I was induced for two weeks at a shunt, at bleeding in my brain. Uh, I had a compound fracture to my left leg from my knee down. So it completely snapped. For those who don't know what a compound fracture is, it's not just a fracture. It's a compound fracture, which means it pretty much breaks through the surface. My fibula, my tibula snapped in half. Muscle was gone around my shin. I fractured my my right thumb. I had a ruptured spleen had bleeding in my brain, I had blood clots in my brain, I, which that's what a shunt does, it relieves the pressure from your brain, I had glass in my hands, I was pulling out glass like two years later from my fingers that was still in there, uh, what else, what else, what else, um, so yeah, so that was, that was pretty much that, oh, I broke my ankle, my right ankle, my left ankle as well, um, what else what else what else what else? Oh, my pelvis, my, I, have, I had a shift in my pelvis, my pelvis shifted, which means it snapped. so the left side went up and the right side went down because of the force when he hit me. Oh what else what else? Uh, I'm trying to think. That's crazy because I got to think about how many surgeries or um, injuries I sustained. Yeah, that's pretty much it right there. So I had 11 surgical procedures in total. Procedures as to, you know, I um, had pins in my leg complete. My whole left leg was in, I had an external fixator. They did a muscle graft. They took my left lat. They put it in my leg where the muscle was gone. They took bone from my pelvis, my back, and they put it in my leg because I was missing bone from my tibula and my fibula. My fibula my tibia whatever you um, I had pins in my right leg as well my ankle because it was snapped my it um, took my spleen out and yeah I had I had multiple bed sores because I couldn't move I had a bed sore in the back of my head that now looks like a slice because I was in that coma and I had a shunt, and they're not allowed to move you when you're when you're in that um, position. Like I had to stay in that position. So the shunt, it, it just it's like a bolt that presses on your skull that supposedly I don't know it's something like that where it's supposed to relieve the pressure, the blood flow because of the blood clots. So I sustained a lot of injuries, and one of the main injuries that I cannot get over is PTSD. It's real, post-traumatic stress disorder. So what it is, is since I came so close to dying at a blink of an eye, oh wait, by the way, let me go back real quick. Sorry, before I go into this. So I was in the hospital on my back, bed bound for three months. Three months shitting in a bedpan, pissing the bed, literally stuck. I couldn't move. I had to learn how to do everything all over again. Everything from talking to writing to sitting up to using the toilet to standing to walking. I mean, you name it, I had to do it all over again. I was on my back for three months. Then they moved me to a rehab. Um, I was there for about a month. Then they realized I needed more therapy. So they put me in another acute rehab. A subacute. I don't know which one. I think an acute. I don't know what they call it. But I was in there for three months. So in total, when you think about it, it was three, six, seven. So around eight months of being rehabilitated and everything to I was walking with a cane. So you figure like it took like a year and a half for me to actually be mobile enough to not use a cane and just be off the painkillers and to be able to function as a normal person, because I was literally like a robot. I mean, I had, I had a lot. Of, I was on antidepressants. I was on a lot of stuff, a lot of medication. And, and and now, so that's what happened to me on September 21st, 2006, and how long it took for me to actually get back to who I was, at least who I thought I could be. Uh, let me get a drink off here. So, so, one of the most important or the most devastating injuries I sustained was it ans- oh, was uh, depressing. I was depressed for a very long time. And being being so close to losing your life, I felt like for a long time, for years after, that it didn't matter. It Didn't matter if I if I died today. Like it was on I was on that where I really did it didn't, I didn't care about anything, you understand? Like I was willing to just die. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna live my life to the fullest. That's it. I'm gonna do what I want to do. And that's what I did. I did I did a lot of drugs. Had a lot of intercourse with women. I was in places that I shouldn't have been. I did did things that I shouldn't have done. Now, you tell me. The story that I just told you is a sad story. It's not uplifting, okay? But the beginning of this whole podcast thing, I I explained what I have in my life today and how I have so much to be thankful for. And grateful for because I feel I don't deserve a thing I'm alive today for a reason and this is something that I have to continue to remind myself because I can slip into a deep depression so easily at any time some people call it bipolar I don't know what it is but it's real And I don't, I just, I'm so tired of trying to understand and trying to communicate with individuals or give a reason. I'm tired of giving reasons. I am exhausted of answering people. I am just so done. When I talk to people other than my closest loved ones, it doesn't matter. The conversations are meaningless, just like, You know, being at 7-Eleven and saying, man, this weather sucks. Yeah, man, totally. Like, that's it. I just don't care. And it's very unfortunate that I'm this way right now. But this this is what's happening to me. There's some people who are close to me that understand that I've been through something major like that. And now I'm 36 years old. I'm gonna be 36 in May. So it's like some people that know me and know what I've been through, they understand what's wrong with me. Like they they get it. Do they know how I feel? No, but they can out. How- so I left off at certain people in my life, they know what I went through personally. They were there, they saw it and that's what it is uh, the people who weren't there who were in my life from that point on who realized what I went through they are just ones who have heard the story or have seen what it is and you know it, it means nothing in reality and they could say wow that was that's a crazy story but that's about it So I'm fighting constantly. I am in pain constantly. My legs hurt every day. My back hurts every day. I am, in the summer, I feel great. In the winter, I am miserable. So why am I talking about this? Why am I seriously pushing the fact that I am stressed out and I am miserable? The ones who are dearest to me, give me that. They understand, so they give me that. I'm not seeking for someone to care about me in a way that I don't want them to or that I want them. No, I am just letting people know that this is it. This is it. So, where do I go from here? <laughs> from September 21st, 2006. From the man named Angel Galvez. Not 2002 Pontiac Grand Van, because that's what it was. That was the vehicle. That was the vehicle that changed my life. Everybody says God, 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 God. Only God, only God, 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 God. Yeah, only God. The enemy's there too. I don't deserve God. I don't deserve love. Some people might not hear, you know, like what they hear. That's okay. You could turn it off. That's fine. But I'm not going to not say something because you don't like it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not going anywhere. You understand? I'm in this battle for the long haul. But what I am going to do is push the fact that I went through some shit. That's why I've done the things that I've done. Who I am today makes me better. I'm not I'm not giving nobody that credit. Nobody. I don't give a shit who you are. So what was the point? What was the point of me even saying all this on here? What was it? I guess it was me trying to rationalize the reason why I'm so miserable. Maybe that's what it was. Me trying to give myself reason, you know, that I suffer from PTSD. You know what I mean? That I suffer from it. Because, but I'm I'm sick and tired of just being the problem all the time. This whole podcast started out cool, man. But it took a dark turn. And it took it fast. Anyway. There'll be some uplifting times. This is the journey and who I am. This is what it is going to question who am I who I am and who am I isn't that wild two two three of the same words in a sentence you can turn around and they can mean the opposite that's what we're facing that's what I'm facing it's not only who I am but who am I (laughs) you know something's gonna give real soon I'll tell you that much and you know what I'm sure you know that people are gonna be surprised very surprised you know why because they didn't get it they didn't get it anyway I'm sorry let me stop this fucking thing off